the same weekend that John's brewery went bust, um, I got a call from my dad that he was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer. And he ended up dying about a year and a half later. But in my mind, those two events were completely tied with the fact that I was making $100,000 a month. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. Today, we're talking to Rosemary Groner. Rosemary is the incredible mama behind The Busy Budgeter. She's a formerly stressed, overworked, and exhausted mom who loves blogging almost as much as she loves brownies. I'm so excited to have Rosemary on the show today because her blog growth is the stuff of legend. Rosemary was a former state trooper running an at-home daycare when she started her blog and was able to grow the site to a full-time income in 10 months, all while working on her blog for only 10 hours a week. By the busy budgeter's two-year anniversary, she was earning over $100,000 a month. But mamas, things always look simple and amazing at 10,000 feet. So today, Rosemary is going to share what she did differently to grow her blog so quickly. And if you're not a blogger, you're not interested in starting a business, she'll also share how her money mindset had to shift as she found success. If you've been on a debt freedom journey for a long time and have struggled with what's next, you'll find you're far from alone. Stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from Rosemary or visit smartmoneymamas.com backslash Rosemary. Ready, mamas? Let's get started. All right, mamas, we're here with Rosemary Groner. Rosemary, how are you doing? I'm so excited to be here. It's so cool to see you. I missed you since the summit. I know. I'm so glad to have you on the show, especially in the first few episodes. Everyone loved your talk uh, at the summit. (laughs) I loved doing it. It was really fun. I was so impressed with everything you put together. That was huge. Thank you. So at the summit, we talked about your budgeting journey. And today I want to talk about a little bit more about your uh, business journey, which is amazing. But the first question I want to ask you is that if we search your name and search about your blog, the first thing that pops up all the time is zero to full-time blogger in 10 months. So how do you feel about that being the tagline? I mean, I, I actually like it. It is funny though, because it's like, there was so much blood, sweat and tears that went into that 10 months that it, when it comes across, it comes across very flippant. Like, you know, I basically woke up one day and it was amazing. And, and I, and I do try to explain to people like, listen, I know that this happens super fast. And when you, you hear it, when you hear my story, it sounds so quick, but I was running a home daycare at the time for 50 hours a week. So, and and I only blogged, I don't know if you know this, but I only blogged for 10 hours a week to grow my income to full-time income in 10 months. And despite all of that work, or despite the limited number of hours I worked, I was basically working from 6am to midnight in every pocket of time that I had, because it's really hard to work in a blog with five kids at home, particularly oh, yeah. when people are paying you to watch them and not work in your blog. So you can't really do that during business hours. Can't just sit them in front of the TV and work <laughs> on your blog. <laughs> it's like best daycare ever. No. <laughs> no, you can't do that. So I am someone who's a total workaholic. So I work on my blog way too much. How yeah. are you focusing this down to 10 hours? Okay. So I didn't know this at the time, but I'm really, really, really good at ROI. So what that means is that basically at the time, it it was a blessing and a curse at the time, because at the time I really didn't have more than 10 hours a week. And Mm -hmm. if you think about it, like how many of our listeners would like to go to the gym, right? But they say they don't have time. Well, if you think about it, gym is like what, 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes, three times a week would be great. I mean, you're talking about building a business. It's a massive undertaking particularly because you have no idea what the next steps are. It's not like you have this clear cut path that you just follow along. You're just trying to figure it out as you go. So I looked at my schedule and I said, the absolute 
maximum that I can possibly do with this consistently is 10 hours a week. And that is forsaking all friends and anything fun. And that's what I did. So the other thing is that, okay, so I only have 10 hours a week. Everybody else probably has a lot more. If I want to be successful, I cannot do anything, absolutely anything that, that does not lead me to get those, to basically go forward in the time that I had. So what I did was I took down all of the things that people were telling me to do. And I looked at what we would call the ROI. So the time and money that I would be investing in it and what the potential return was. And in the very, very beginning, I didn't always know the ROI, Mm -hmm. but as I got better and I paid really close attention to what was working and what it did for me, I got really, really good at knowing what the ROI of certain things was. And then the other thing is that like when you start working with other bloggers, once you get to the point of masterminding, it's really easier to reach out and be like, Hey, I know that you really focused on Facebook, like your Facebook group. What were your results? How did that work out? Well, when you have three or four people that you can reach out to, you can tell pretty quickly that, you know, that's not really going to be worth it for me or that is. Um, But in the beginning, I figured out some things that are pretty controversial, which (laughs) is that and I hate even saying it because I think it sounds totally wrong, but I never commented on comments. Like when you wrote a post and somebody commented, I never commented back and I didn't answer all of my emails. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even answer like one out of a thousand emails. And at the time that I was growing, everyone was like, oh, you have to answer every blog comment. You have to answer every email. You are building a community. If you don't build a community, you're never going to get anywhere. So that was really scary advice to to go against because I had no idea if it was going to work out or not, but I just knew I got 10 hours a week. So I don't have that time because that's 10 hours a week to do all that stuff. Yeah. So how did you you want to, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, do you want to know what I did focus on? I do want (laughs) to know what you did focus on. Uh, And that was going to be my question of writing off something that everyone's telling you to do is scary and you have to know that something else is worth more. So what did you focus on? Yeah. So basically what I focused on was I think the things that made the most sense to me and that I was seeing fairly quick results on. And that was, I focused first on an avatar, which means that you actually know who you're talking to, you know what you're going to talk about, and you have this targeted person in mind. So for me, it's not so much about like I'm health and fitness or I'm parenting or I'm anything like this. It's more about a person. You have a person in your mind and you might delve a little bit into parenting or a little bit into this, but for the most part, you're talking about one subject. So we talk about budgeting, but because of my avatar, who is this hot mess, like probably undiagnosed ADHD, a super, (laughs) super disorganized um, woman that loves organizing. She just never really learned how to do it or maybe just isn't naturally intuitive to it. And I talk about budgeting to her perspective, but because I'm talking to her, I can also talk about home management. I could talk about any of the things. We don't really delve a lot into parenting, but I can delve into all of these other things because I know her. So I really, really nailed my avatar down early. And then once I got that done, I focused on the only two traffic sources that I think are worth it, unless you have a super weird niche or that is going to be Pinterest and Google. Mm -hmm. So Pinterest and Google are basically user to content traffic sources, meaning that if you go into those traffic sources, the only thing you can do is read other posts. You can read blog articles and, and things. If you go into Facebook, you're not really there to see what the busy budgeter's doing. You don't really care. You're like, you're there to see who's sleeping with who and who had babies and what. I mean, all the stuff that we Your like friend Facebook. network is a little different than mine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we're there. I mean, at least yes. I'm there for the drama. For the it's drama. Like, I'm on TV on my computer. It's amazing. Anyway, so... 
that brands and blogs and stuff slip in there with their messages, but that's not why people are, are, if we got off of Facebook completely, Facebook would be fine. Maybe not for advertising dollars, but the platform and the users would be happy. If all of the bloggers went out on Pinterest, Pinterest would die immediately. Mm -hmm. So I put all my time and effort into that. Now they can, they can mess around with who they give more credit to. Like they, they might like your content more than mine, but for the most part, they can't stop serving our content altogether. They're focused on creators. And so we dove right into your story here. And we have so many moms that want to create uh, create their own businesses or start blogs. So what did full-time income mean for you 10 months in? So I'm pretty sure, well, I was making $3,000 a month uh, 10 months in. Um, okay. But then it really quickly rose. Let's see. So I don't have a blogging audience anymore. I don't talk to bloggers. So I haven't said this story in forever. But I'm pretty sure that within, yeah, it was within 18 months, I was making $20,000 a month and... And a little, sh- it was right around the two year mark. Don't quote me on this. It was either like a couple months short or a couple months over. I was making about $100,000 a month for my blog. So wow. it went really, really fast. And the, the biggest takeaway from my story was that focus on ROI. And we can go further along that path. But after I focused on that, the traffic, those two traffic sources, right? So everybody, mm-hmm. like, we call them like blogging classes, but like everybody that starts to blog at the same time, you can put them into the same class. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because we're all doing the same thing. We're all listening to the same people. We're all learning from the same people. And a lot of those people were, everybody was like Facebook, 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 Facebook is the thing. All of your time and attention into groups and pages. And so people were spending hours and hours and, and I was just like, I'm like, my Facebook looked like I was like dead. It probably still looks like I'm dead. I probably still don't look like I have a business, but I completely ignored it. Focused on the two traffic sources that I knew. And then the second I had those working for me, I threw all my attention into um, getting a freebie that was worth money. Like something Mm -hmm. that I put, I think it took me like a lot of time to create. It was the 90 day budget bootcamp. Um, and I put like my heart and soul into that. Like other people were, you know, still working on social media and I now had something that I could offer to people for free in exchange for their email address. And then I can hopefully get a relationship with them. The other thing I did different was that I was super polarizing on my email list. So everybody else was like talking to everybody Mm -hmm. because they didn't, you know, you work so hard to get five subscribers. You don't want to make any of them go away. Where (laughs) I was kind of like, here's here's who I am. Here's who I talk to. If I can't help you, you should probably see yourself out. And that worked out. And again, that was one of those things that I didn't know would work, but in the end did work really well because the people that stayed were like, this woman's amazing. I love her. Yeah. The people (laughs) that left were like, this woman is insane. And then when you went on from that, so like now I have this freebie and I've got traffic, right? Mm -hmm. So now I can circulate this freebie and I know how to get traffic to it, which led me to a pretty high email list uh, pretty quickly. And once I had the email list, I really focused all of my attention on building a relationship with them, like talking to them all the time, um, helping them, like really listening to what they needed. And if you think about it, we're like this weird, bloggers are like this weird middleman between actual business or advisors and your best friends, right? Your best friends maybe don't know anything about what you're (laughs) trying to learn. So we're people that like, we're not, we're not so big that we don't care about anybody, you know, but mm-hmm. we're, we're big enough so that we know what we're talking about. We've seen a lot of, we have a lot of access to a lot of people's stories. So even if it's something that I personally haven't done, like I haven't paid off debt as a single mom. Mm-hmm. I haven't paid off debt that was all student loans. I haven't paid off debt when you're not married and you're trying to date. 
but I have access to hundreds of thousands of stories of readers that I've listened to and talked to and gotten results from. So it's kind of like we're this melting pot of all of this cool information, but we're still small enough to actually remember what it felt like to have all that debt. And we actually care because we're also, you know, moms, or even if you're not a mom, you're, you're really kind of not so far removed from the situation that this stuff isn't like impacting your every day. Yeah. So we, so we don't talk to bloggers either. And, but we do talk to a lot of people who want to have side hustles. They want to start a business. And one of the things um, that struck me about your story is you're running a home daycare. You've got to yeah. be exhausted and there's got to be so stuff tired. all over your house. So tired. So why, why did you choose a blog and how did you get yourself to treat it like a business so quickly? So because um, I took a class called the Lead Blog Academy. All right. So mm-hmm. I'm running the home daycare. I'm working 50 hours a week. And I get this email from Rusuku, who is talking about Lead Blog Academy. And she had mentioned in it that she makes a full-time income from her, her blog. And I love writing. Like, I love all of the things related to this. And I was like, there's no... Like, I was in from that first sentence. I think I read three <laughs> sentences. And I was like, I got to figure out a way to buy this. But at that time, we were still at the tail end of our budgeting journey. So like mm-hmm. we were living without paper towels. Like we had like we were so locked down on our budget in our home routines and everything that like spending at the time it was three hundred dollars in a blog class seemed insane, right? Yeah. And I also don't have any time. I'm working fifty hours a week. John was at that time he was a special agent with the state police, and so he was gone a lot. Mm-hmm. And the idea of doing this was in. I don't I'm sure you're going to be surprised, Chelsea, but I have a habit of being like, I'm going to do this and then never doing it. Kind of like, (laughs) I'm going to go to the gym and I never do. So when I brought it up to my husband, I was positive he was going to be like, no, you can't do this. This is insane. (laughs) And he really shocked me because I didn't really, I had like prepared this whole presentation. I had done all of this like research on Google and I'm like, when I'm going into a business meeting and it was actually during daycare hours, I'd called him out. So I'm like playing with the kids and I call him down and I'm like, here's all the information. This is why this is going to be amazing. And he immediately was like, you have to do this. If you don't do this, you're going to spend the rest of your life wishing that you had tried it. And man, like I, I, to this day, I am super grateful for him because if he had said, you know, it's just a bad idea. He could have easily talked me out of it in like five minutes and I would have put it to the side and none of this would have happened. So like as hard as I worked, I really feel like that was a pivotal moment to support me. And he really did a good job. And that's, I mean, that's so impactful, right? We see it. We're both in the Elliot blog, blog Academy group. And you see sometimes yeah. people post of like, my husband thinks I'm wasting my time or whatever. And that's just, it's just a drain, especially when you're running a new business. Yes. Now, to be fair, <laughs> John Groder. So while he was supportive of that moment, I don't think he understood how long it was going to take or that there's not going to be. And this is a common thing I hear from people. There is no early signs of success. Like, I was super, super successful really fast. My blog posts still looked like crap when I first wrote them. Like I was doing everything wrong. It took me months to figure out how to put an ad on my site. And I ended up having to call Bluehost and like crying on the phone with them for like an hour. And they were basically like, she's not going to leave until we just do this for her on the back end. So they were the ones that put the ad on my site. Squeaky and I'm wheel sure against made the oil. Like $3, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think like during that time, he was not as supportive. There was a lot of, so are we actually going to eat dinner tonight? Or, you know, and there were so many things that, you know, cause he didn't make this, this promise to do this. And yeah. what I quickly realized is like, I couldn't go apple picking with our best friends. I couldn't go to my best friend's dinner uh, house for mm-hmm. dinner. And, 
So we were like, we didn't see anyone for that 10 months. We didn't do anything. We didn't see anyone. The few times we made it over to our best friend's house for dinner, I would sleep on her couch, which now is like a big funny thing. We all talk about the, the year of blog growth that I would come over and sleep on their couch, but it was not the best year of marriage. And it was also not the best year of parenting because outside of the daycare hours where I was really lucky that I basically got paid to hang out with them all day. I never saw the kids. I didn't put the kids to bed for a year and a half. To this day, Annie is now five and I'm stuck at putting her to bed because the whole first part of her life I never did. John did it every single night with a lot of grumbling. So if your husband is also not like amazing and wonderful, I don't want you to compare him to John Gruner and be like, well, I mean, John Gruner's amazing because he did support me and now he's super supportive. But that's not to say that that first year was not a huge struggle. Did you have moments during that first year where you were wondering whether it was worth it, even even having the success you were having? Oh God, yeah, yeah. I can still remember there was a. I don't. I w- I wasn't like into blogging enough to know who people were, so I don't know if it's somebody that I know. But somebody had wrote a post about blogging being dead, and I, w- I was making money at the time, but it wasn't a lot. It was maybe like fifty dollars or hundred dollars. I was like maybe two months in. And I read it and it made so much sense. <laughs> like it just was like, it basically compared it to an LMLM. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like, oh my gosh, like I just spent all this money. Like this is such a nightmare. And I was seriously thinking about quitting. I didn't tell John about it. And I'm glad I didn't because I think if I had, he probably, John's super like, I don't know if pragmatic is the world. Like I'm usually my head's in the clouds and he's like a very logical thinker. And he probably would have been like, it's okay. Like, let's just move on, brush it aside. We won't talk about it anymore. But the only thing that saved me was that when I bought the class, I had made the promise to myself that I was going to do this for one year, for one year. And if at the end of the year, I, I didn't make a full-time income or even, I mean, if I had made close, I probably would have kept going. But if I wasn't where I thought that it needed to be to continue, I was just going to walk away and I was going to say, you know what? I tried it. I put everything into it. And if it didn't work out, that's totally okay. Um, because I had made that promise to myself, I was like, well, let's just, we're going to see it out the year. We're going to pretend that didn't happen and we'll see what happened. And now that I know more about it, I look back at that and I'm like, please take that down because it's not anything like an MLM. We're more like an actual business. The only difference is we don't have overhead. There's literally no difference between a blogger and an actual business. And matter of fact, in my master group now, my, the thing that I get in trouble with the most is because I always say, I'm a blogger. And they're like, you're not a blogger, you're a business owner. And I'm like, but I'm still kind of a blogger. (laughs) But it's like a very, like, you're not supposed to say blogger when you reach certain levels. Like, yeah, you should, you're should. supposed to treat it as a business, right? Right, um, and I do, but I still think it's kind of cool to be a blogger, honestly. Like, I think it's not a dirty word. <laughs> completely agree. And I'll tell you, like, I know my story a little bit, but I left a hedge fund to do this. And I spent, I had two years of runway and I was like, we're going to do this for two years. We'll see how it goes. And that's actually just wrapping up right now. And I never broke the hedge fund schedule. So I was working, you're working like 10, 20 hours a week and I'm working like 80 hours a week because I couldn't break the habit (laughs) and because I respond to every email like a, like a just crazy person. So you're talking about (laughs) Chelsea and not me, but I still love you guys. (laughs) Except I'm trying to break that habit. So maybe don't email. (laughs) But yeah, so many times during the last two years, I was like, maybe I should just go back to like a traditional job. (laughs) And it takes like, I'm like, this isn't any better. I think it just comes back to like when you're growing a business, any kind of business, a blog, you're going to have a period of time where you're not the best mom and you're not the best spouse and you've got to focus on just a different season of your life. 
Yeah. Balance is totally, it's not, everything is not even all the time. There are some like, cause so now I set up my entire business so that I can take months off and have everything run fluidly, which was, it was a lot of strategy and a lot of trial and error, but I can take months off. So I I take the summers off. Usually Um, I took October off. I take months off now and everything like income, everything usually stays the same. And in those months I am like super mom. Like I am, I am there. I am awesome. And then when I usually swing back into like work mode, I'm like so peaceful in my office. Like everything's <laughs> so pretty. And it's like, you almost crave both. And then yeah. that's the way that we tend to work now. So I've got a really small team and everybody kind of works the same way. So my assistants do the same thing. They'll work really, really hard. And when I say really, really hard, we're still talking 20 hours a week. It's not like crazy, <laughs> but they work really, really hard for a couple of weeks. We do a bunch of stuff and then we take a couple weeks off and then we kind of go back in, which by the way, if you're at the point, if you happen to be listening to this and you have like a blog that's making business, you should totally do it my way because this is amazing. I wish that my biggest regret in business, which has nothing to do with your audience, but we're still going to talk about it, (laughs) is that I really wish that somebody had told me that this was possible. It may be Mm -hmm. that somebody in your audience is going to be in a point where this is possible for them and they want this because Everyone at the time that I was growing was like, you have to work 80 hours a week. You have to work 90 hours a week. You have to put your blood, sweat, and tears into this, and maybe it'll turn into something. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. If that's what you need to do to grow it, or you know, some people are just achieve, high achievers and they love to do it, then do it. But I wish somebody had said that you can be an awesome mom and you can still run a kickback business and you don't have to choose. Like It's okay to do both. That's amazing. And I think, yeah, I, every time I hear your story, I'm like, I got to figure out how to work 20 hours a week. This, this way is not, it's not working for me anymore. I could teach you. <laughs> it's really fun. But, I, but this ties back to, to ROI for a second. So we never actually mentioned, so retu- ROI is return on investment. And yes. from my background, mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, okay, so we need cash flow projections and we got to run the numbers <laughs> on what the percentage is on the rest. So you tell me how you run ROI. <laughs> okay. So ROI is post-it notes, guys. This is highly <laughs> technical. So in the beginning, and keep in mind, my background is that I was a state trooper for about nine years. And then we were super in debt. I was like, I had my first baby. I looked into that kid's eyes and I was like, I do not want to be a state trooper anymore. Super, I mean, high five to anybody in the career. I just didn't want to do it. But we were super hot mess. We were crazy disorganized. We could not get our life together. We had never, ever lived below. Like we would set the budget and then blow the budget by like several thousand. Like it was really bad. And so what went on was the next year, I basically got really, really, really good at home management to give ourselves a chance to save money. And we realized this tie between home management and budgeting was that for people that are super like hot messy, if they can get their home routine situated enough to give them a chance to save money, the money comes easier, right? So there's this like whole home management path. And once we saved the money, I quit my job to stay home, but we still had the debt, right? So we're living on half our income, but I don't really want to stay in the state police for four years while we pay off the debt. So I leap, I come home and then I run the home daycare. So now we're living on half the income and we're taking all of the uh, daycare income to pay off all of our debt. So we paid off the debt real quick and then life is wonderful. The original question was, this is a terrible podcast interview. The original question was about how to calculate ROI on a post-it note, correct? Yes. Okay. So my background in the state police did not prepare me for running a business at all. I knew nothing about how to run a business. I didn't even know what ROI meant when I first heard it. All I knew was that I had very limited time, so I could only do the things that mattered. So what I would do originally was that when something would come up, I would basically 
let's say Pinterest versus Facebook, right? So mm-hmm. every week I would take a post-it note and I would say how many hours I put into Pinterest, how many hours I put into Facebook, and then this is what I got in return. You know, so at Facebook it would be like three views, and in Pinterest it would be like 150 views in the beginning, and I was like, yeah. let's see more Pinterest. So then that Facebook post note kind of went to the trash, and now as you grow, your post-it methods get a little more advanced, right? So then it might be your newsletters. So yep. in your newsletters, you're like, oh, when I write about this, I get this open rate. When I um, send out this email, like affiliates or whatever, I get this much income. So what I did was I systematically removed everything that wasn't working for my business. So let's take affiliate income. So an affiliate income is if there's a product that you really, really love and you use it, you tell your readers about it and you can get a percentage, right? Mm-hmm. And when I was doing that, what I did was instead of just peppering with people with everything that I loved, I only talked about the things that were getting the biggest response. So when I was growing the blog, it was super popular for everyone to be talking about everything. And what I did was I did something called the core affiliate strategy, where I only talked about my top 10 things. Okay. And then I only talked about my top five things. And then I only talked about my top three things, but I talked about them all the time. And so I was making considerably more income. And I'm also not saying buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, because at the core end of it, they like these top three things the best. I like these top three things the best. And it just seemed to be like a better fit. So removing all that other stuff, all that other noise, meant that I'm making more money and doing less work because I've already written about those things 30 times. So it's not very hard to like piece together another email. And then it's, it's kind of like that with everything. So like with Pinterest, it's the same thing. So it doesn't work anymore. So don't get excited about it. But at the time that it was growing, there was a Pinterest strategy where everybody was manually pinning. It was taking people hours. And there was this thing that used to be called Word Booster. And I basically figured out how to hack Word Booster so that I don't have to spend zero, I spend zero time. That's not really true. I spend 30 minutes a month doing maintenance to remove the pins that are not doing well. And then to keep the pins that are. And we do the same thing now with Tailwind. It just a little more work and have my system help with, but it's basically like you're setting up these loops of all of your best pins and when things are underperforming, so here's the line, everything over this is, is doing really well, anything under gets cut and removed, you can either replace it and try again or you could just stop talking about it. And so that's what we do. We just remove everything that doesn't work. And then as you get larger and you have more opportunities to make like better decisions, not better decisions, but more strategic decisions. So once we got into like funnels and we figured out funnels, like we're getting into um, webinars now and evergreen webinars and things like that. Once you get to the point where you can make these decisions to stabilize your income without having to work, that is the goal is for me, it's to be able to stabilize income without having to show up every day, but still serving people because that's what blogging is. Like the whole purpose of blogging is that I can I can help people. So if you keep that forefront, but at the same time, without hurting my ability to help people, what can I do to not have to show up every day, but still mm-hmm. help the same number of people, the same amount of people in the same way? So that's when you get into courses and workbooks and like funnels, and we could go super advanced here, but if people are just wanting to start a side hustle, I'm afraid that might scare them. <laughs> Let's not scare anybody. So your biggest thing, I think, is like just tracking what the output is from everything that you're doing, right? And then only optimizing for the things that have the most impact. Yeah, and cutting things out ruthlessly. Like it's always, you know, it's 
it was easy for me at the time. And it was a thankful accident that I only had 10 hours a week. And I really think that that was one of the reasons why I grew so fast is because Mm -hmm. I had to limit my time. I had to cut out new fluff, which means that it's less likely I'm going to be overwhelmed and saying, well, this doesn't work because I spend, you know, 60 hours a week on this and nothing's happening. But because of that, it's still scary to like cut out something that you don't know if it's going to be the secret to success. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you just have to make the best decision. And if you always are reacting to numbers and not your feelings, like I think that's a really smart way to do business because there's so many things in my life where I'm like, this is amazing. This is happening because I did this, like I'm manifesting it. And then in reality, it's like something that has nothing to do with that. And if I had just not done that, I would have been fine. So, is that your advice for someone who's just starting a business is just to like keep it numbers focused from the beginning? If you are just starting a business, then I think if you take that advice, you're going to get in your own head and you're going to fail. So if you're just starting a business and you want to start particularly a blog, because a regular business does not work like this. You can't take this advice and transfer it to a business because blogging income is scalable. So if you're trading time for money and you're working 10 hours a week, you're going to make 10 hours a week of money. Like, yes. <laughs> you're freelance writing. <laughs> yes, yeah. don't, don't work 10 hours a week. But if you are interested in starting a blog, then I think the best advice that I can give you is one, set an end date. Do not quit until that end date. Mm-hmm. Set up a contract with yourself that you're going to work a certain number of hours a week. 10 hours, I think, is if that's what you can do consistently, then, that, then do that. Mm-hmm. 10 hours a week was all that I could do consistently. If I could do, if I could have done 20, I probably would have done 20. I think it's going to help you. Um, and then when you're doing it, when you're working, do 25 minute focus blocks if you have difficulty focusing, right? So that's a big deal for me, obviously. I think everyone <laughs> can tell my undiagnosed ADHD from this podcast. Chelsea, <laughs> I don't think you have that problem. But if you're having trouble <laughs> focusing, Set a timer for 25 minutes, work really, really hard for 25 minutes, take a five minute break and then go back into it. Track those focus blocks. So even now I track every single second that I work on the business. I use like a Aaron Condren dust pad now, but I've done it a bunch of different ways, but I've always used timers. Now I use uh, focus at will, but I used to just use an egg timer. And during those 25 minute focus blocks, there's no calls to my mom. I won't talk to my husband. I won't like surf Facebook. I usually hide in my phone. Like I literally put my phone under rugs or someplace really awkward. So I would have to think about it if I get it out. (laughs) And if you do that and you say, I'm going to do this for one year of my life and you invest in some sort of education, you need to get something. A lot of people are like, oh, I want to learn how to blog, but I want to do it for free. And I'm I'm not like if you are on food stamps and you have zero money, but you want to start a blog and that's the only way you can make it, make it work Then I am not telling you not to do it. You do it. It might take you longer, but that's fine. But if you can invest in the money to have someone teach you how to do it step by step, you are going to be in so much of a better position because at least you understand the framework. When I started Elite Blog Academy, I had zero idea how bloggers made money. Like that's Mm -hmm. why it was so easy for me to read that article and be like, oh, this is a scam (laughs) because I didn't understand how bloggers made money. By the middle of it, I'm already making money and I still don't completely understand. I'm I'm like, okay, well, I understand how I made 20 bucks, but I don't really understand how this is going to feed my family. (laughs) By the end of it, I was like, oh, okay, everything is kind of like making sense now. And I don't necessarily know that I could explain it to somebody that's not in this world and have them understand it, but essentially you are just a business. You have Mm -hmm. a certain avatar, everybody follows you. And you're like, I can help you solve these problems because I have access to all of these people. You're giving them solutions. Your job is basically a solutions finder. And if a solution doesn't exist, you make one. 
but that's super overwhelming. And if somebody had told me that when I was brand new, I'm like, well, I don't really know how to make solutions. So maybe <laughs> I should do something else. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, is that as you grow your audience and as you talk to more people, and as you help more people, you're going to get to know how to make those solutions. So it's not a today problem. You just need to set that one year. You need to set up 10 hours a week minimum. You need to track your time and you need to only be doing the things that are on your list. Meaning don't start going down, changing your, the one thing, and I don't know if you have this Chelsea, but the people that change their about me page 75 times drive me insane where every two weeks they're like so I realize that I'm not really talking to this mom I'm talking to this mom but she's got blonde hair instead of brown hair so I'm just gonna spend a few days and update my about page so I'm really clear in my avatar and I'm like no like 12 people see your about page in a month like it's okay just leave it where it is just talk so we always say, if you, if you build it, they will come like, mm-hmm. just start talking to your avatar and they're going to find you. You don't have to like be super crazy about, I'm not saying don't update your about page ever, but like, don't make that the focus of your business. No, I love it. And I love the focus and setting an end date, right? I mean, we talk about the majority of blogs quit within six months. I think the stat is, yeah. and you just have to make it through that first year and, and find the focus. And that's with any business, right? Of like making sure that you don't give up too soon because you never know where that tipping point is. Exactly. And then the other thing is the second you get, I would say 700 to a thousand subscribers, sell them something, anything, anything that you're passionate about, because the first time you send something out and you make $20, it doesn't matter. Like it's something that you're like, Oh my gosh, this makes sense. It's working. Like I talked about something that I like and I made money. Like, and the first one that I did was an ultimate bundle sale. I used to love ultimate bundles. I bought them every year. And when I talked about it, so this is not, this was not a stretch for me, right? Like I would tell anybody to buy the ultimate bundles. This was the, it was the homemaking bundle, right? Cause I love organizing. I'm not, I wasn't organized at the time, but I love organizing. I like the idea of organizing. Yes. <laughs> I like filling out new planners. And so I put this one out and there was, I think we made like $640 and I was like floored. I was like, what? This is nuts. But the thing is you have to, like, you have to reach a point of like actually doing something to make income, but also understanding that you should never, ever do anything to make income that you would not believe in. And that's why a lot of people end up creating their own products is because it's so much easier to believe in stuff that you're doing, that you're creating um, custom fit for your audience. That that totally makes sense. So you and I could keep talking about business and blogging for hours, uh, but before we change gears a little bit, I want to share a quick word from our amazing sponsors who made this episode possible. And when we come back in honor of Mindset Month, which is what we're focused on this month at Smart Money Mamas, we'll dive into how your rapid business growth changed your relationship with money. Sound good? All right. Today's podcast is brought to you by Debt.com. One of my favorite things about Debt.com is that they remove the embarrassment around getting out of debt. If you're feeling overwhelmed by monthly payments or balances, but don't know who to turn to, Debt.com can match you with the perfect, trustworthy debt solution provider to help you create a debt freedom plan and build a strong financial foundation. You can learn more by visiting smartmoneymamas.com backslash debt or by calling their free support line at 844-462-8280 to discuss solutions for your unique situation. That number again is 844-462-8280, debt.com for when life happens. All right, Mama, so we're back with Rosemary Groner. And Rosemary, we talked about how your husband was supportive when you told him that you wanted to start a blog. But I want to touch on the fact that you went from state trooper to home daycare. 
Oh my gosh. What was that conversation like? <laughs> so first of all, when I quit, right. And I don't know, somebody in the military would probably understand this in the state police. You're almost like in this enclosed, like enclosed system, right? Like all of your friends are in the state police. You never see anyone outside of the state police because you all work weird hours and you work a lot of hours. So like all, like our entire system, all of our friends, everything was there. And when I left, I was like, so I'm going to start a home daycare. And there's already like only 2% of females in the state police. So this news was met with, you were insane. This is the worst idea ever. Like this is baby hormones. Like this was not an understanding crew. Mm -hmm. And then, so like I'd been working, I'd been running the home daycare for maybe a couple of months. So when I had the idea that I'm going to start a blog, right. And I was in Elite Blog Academy at the time. And one of the things I had do was, and I don't want to scare anybody from taking it, but they make you, the whole concept behind it is that it's really hard to grow a business if you don't want to be seen, right? Yeah. So one of the things she makes you do is to reach out to every single person in your email list and let them know you have a blog and that, you know, it's your business and to get feedback on it. And my blog looked like crap at the time, right? Like I had built it myself. Like it was awful looking. And I had emailed all of these state troopers, all of these people that thought I was insane. It was humiliating. But now it's great because now they all like write to me and they're like, oh my gosh, like I really want to start a blog. And I'm like, indication. Anyway, <laughs> when I first came home, so I'm dealing with the fact that we, I mean, not on purpose, but we kind of lost all of our friends because now we're, now I'm home and I don't see any of those people and we don't have that same schedule. And then we also have this cutting isolation, which I'd never dealt with, with being home with kids all day. Mm -hmm. And now we add in the fact that we're growing the business, which also brings a fairly decent amount of marital strife in because, you know, he basically didn't see me or hang out with me because he's putting the kids to bed. He comes home from a long day. He's immediately in, in dad mode. I'm dealing with the business. I'm working till midnight. We had a baby, another baby, just a couple of months after I started the blog. So I'm dealing with a newborn and all of this. Um, it was a lot. I honestly think that one of the reasons why we were able to push through is because John had this comment where he would come home and there would be Cheerio shrapnel on every surface of the house, right? <laughs> From the daycare. Because at the time I was working so much that my home management routines that had worked so well to get us to pay off debt were a little slacking at the time. And I, it was a really, really, really tough year, but it was also a really, like in a weird way, I look back on it. I'm sure we're probably going to talk about this money mindset, but we had something to fight against. You know what I mean? There's yeah. something about being in debt and like fighting against the man. And like, we would do our budget meetings and we're like, we paid off $300 this month. And we just felt like we were making progress and traction. And like, we were doing it together. And then as you grow, when your income increases, particularly like, I mean, it increased a lot for us. It just, it's not that it's not, there's nothing to fight against. And I don't know if you've experienced this or not. Like, I don't think anybody could have explained that to me when I was little, but it's like, you spend so much of your time just trying to like churn, 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 like work, 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 home, 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 take care yep. of the kids, take care of the house, blah, 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 blah. That when you have all of the things that you want, like you've got your debt paid off, you have extra income, you, your house is clean. You don't have a giant to-do list at home. You're kind of like, so now what? And it's, it's not as, um, there's a, a, I love him to death, but Todd Tresseter, he, he's a super, super smart finance guy. He runs financial mentor but he talks about like the millionaire myth it's like once man once I get a million dollars like it's my life is gonna be amazing and then you get a million dollars and you're like oh no 
like this is kind of the same, just with a million dollars. And it's a, it's a little bit like that. Like you should still do it because in actuality, your life feels the same, but your life is not the same. And I can't stress this enough because my worst day blogging, which is not bad at all, right? It's like, oh, I made 25% less on an affiliate launch or something. <laughs> feels like my worst day in the state police where we lost, you know, a shift partner or someone died on me. Like, like yeah. these two things are not even remotely comparative in any sense of the word, but they feel the same, which is the strangest thing. And I've never actually talked about that publicly before. But it's just, it's a very weird transition. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that just the way that our hormones and stuff are wired, like our stress hormones, but your life is completely different, but it won't always feel like that, if that makes sense. It does. And there's that whole um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Yes. The top being like this sense of fulfillment and purpose. And if you haven't found that, a million dollars isn't going to change that, right? And it sounds like Busy Budgeter gives you some of that purpose, right? You're helping people. It does. And I think more of that, so it really shifts for me, I think. And maybe I haven't found my super higher purpose, but like Mm -hmm. what I've noticed is that like when I'm in those work mode months or weeks, then I am like, I'm getting, giving everything to Busy Budger and it's like amazing. But then I start to get burned out and then I get everything to my family and I get everything back. And I also take a lot of time for myself. I would say probably more than most people. So that's, that's really helpful, but I don't necessarily know that I've cracked the, and then the other thing that we should talk about is that with more money comes more opportunity, but always more stress. And so like in our situation, years before I started the blog, my husband had a, had the idea to to start a brewery. This was his life dream, right? So I never even had a life dream of a business. My life dream was to basically stay home with the kids. And this, he had been working on this for, I think, four years before I even started the blog. And he was able to do that. He he got the investors, he took out the bank loans, he started a million dollar brewery. It was amazing. He quit his job, he worked in the brewery, had a bunch of business partners, and it went south super quick. <laughs> like I was gonna say, I'm hearing a, a lot of past tense in this <laughs> like it was not a good situation. In less than a year they had closed down. It was like probably the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. It was not and so at the same time, right? So I had only been blogging for just about two years and mm-hmm. the same month that he sh- they shut down, I am now making a hundred thousand dollars a month. So like, yeah. And then like, and when you talk about like, people don't think about like the, the money mindset of that, like that's a huge shift that I never even considered because I'm like, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. You can be the business person. I don't care. But then all of a sudden this giant business kind of found me Mm -hmm. and I didn't really know what to do with it. And then the other factor of that was that I loved the business. I, I wouldn't give it up for anything, but I also maybe not through any fault of his own and maybe not through any fault of his of mine, but that's a very hard thing to go through the worst parts of your business while your wife who's not even really trying or never wanted to do this is kind of like doing really well. So there was a lot of marital counseling there <laughs> and it all worked out really well in the end, but it was a difficult, it was a really, really difficult time for our family. And I think that's That was my second win with the business because during that time was when I really, really, really focused on funnels and building passive income so that I could Mm -hmm. take a few months off 
and kind of get my head straight and we could spend more time in marital counseling and we could figure out and all of this stuff is past tense now, yeah. but it's, it was, I want people to understand like, as you grow your income and as you get different things, like there's all of this stuff where, you know, when I was just trying to pay off debt, money mindset sounded like a woo-woo thing that nobody really cared about. And now I'm like, money mindset's huge. It's huge. <laughs> And I want to touch on that for a second. So my husband's a stay-at-home dad. So we have that kind of like breadwinner relationship. And I know that some bloggers, like they bring their husbands into the business and let them work on the business. Like, (laughs) how did you guys manage this? So we did that because I'm an idiot. And because I'm the same thing, right? So again, like you have this blogging class where everybody kind of does things together and you're like, oh, everybody's bringing their husbands in. This is great, baby. I know you just had this like traumatizing business failure, but it's great because now you can be my employee. Like best marriage idea great ever. relationship. <laughs> this is a winning idea, baby. This is going to be great. So he said... Oh God, I don't even know if we made it a year. <laughs> he stayed home and I can still remember we were on vacation someplace and I'm like, okay, so you need to do this. And he was like, why would I do it like this? Because I said that you need to do it like this. <laughs> was like, not clear. And that was the beginning and the end of John Gruner working for the Busy Budgeter. But so shortly after that, and one of the things that we realized, we, were, we did counseling for about three months, completely changed our life and our marriage. It was, I cannot... I cannot tell people, like, if you have issues with your husband related to money or anything, like, you should try counseling. It's great. Did you have to convince John to go? I didn't. Um, no, I think John, John had a lot of guilt and I had a lot of anger. And mm-hmm. and, it, and it's funny because I, I knew realistically that I shouldn't have anger, right? For gosh mm-hmm. sakes, the guy just, I mean, he had a dream and he went after it. Like, that's not a bad thing. But for whatever reason, I had a lot of resentment and John had a lot of guilt. So by going in there and having those conversations that maybe don't make a lot of sense and you don't want to think them, but you do think them, that was huge for us. And being able to kind of communicate better and talk about things, I'm not going to lie, like time makes a big difference. Do you know what I mean? Now we like laugh about it and we tell brewery jokes. But at the time that this was happening, there was no (laughs) brewery jokes. Like it was not funny. But you're going to have to bring me back. And my undiagnosed ADHD is coming back. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about the relationship dynamic once you started making more and then having John in the business. Oh, yeah. So I brought him home about a year into it. He was like, he sat me down. It was through counseling. He was like, I know that your dream is to have you and I work at home and we can travel anywhere in the world. We can summer in Europe and do all of this stuff. But he's like, if I have to do this, I'm not going to be happy. And it was really hard for me to be like, okay, so you're going to, you can work. Like, and that sounds like such a dumb thing, but at the time my income was more than making up for his income. And it just made sense to have him home to help, to help out, to help me. And, and then, so then the next question is, so what do you want to do? And I'm like praying that it's not be an airline pilot. And he says, so I want to be an airline pilot. I'm like, of course, of course you do. <laughs> How did you already you wanna... know that he was going to want to be an airline pilot? Oh, because he's, he's been a private pilot for like 10 years. And if you give, if this man has money, he's immediately in the air with it, like flying around and burning that money. <laughs> so I knew that that was coming, but the reasons why I didn't want him to be an airline pilot was that he was going to be away for a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. So airline pilots usually like go off on trips, they go three, four days and then they come home. And so I was not thrilled with the idea, but we, we did a lot of talking about it. And now I'm like a hundred percent on board. Like the change in him and the change in me is, I mean, we've been doing this for 
I'm terrible with time. I think it's been over a year and it's, it's amazing. And he's happy and I'm happy. And like, because of the way that I set up my business, I still feel like someone's focusing on the kids. Cause that was another yeah. big issue is that if both of us have, you know, businesses that we're focusing on, like who's, who's doing all the kids stuff, who's going all the soccer games. And if he's away all the time and I feel like everybody's needs are being met right now. And it's a really good thing, but there was a lot of money mindset shifts that had to happen before we got to that point. So can you give me an example of one of those? Yeah. The one, the big thing was that it did not, two big money mindset shifts. And I hope that these are not completely boring to readers, but one is that, so when, when you build a business and time equals money, every minute that you're not spending making money feels like you're wasting it. Right. So like, and, and I am, I'm well past the stage, but there was a stage where I'm like, I'm at the kid's soccer game. I could be making, let's see, $248 while I'm at the soccer game. If I chose to work, is this $248 worth of soccer game? And like, it's stupid to say that now, right? Because you're like, your kid's soccer game was worth $248. (laughs) But at the time I was like, you know, with the brewery came a million dollar liability. And when that happened, it was like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I don't, I don't know, like how much money am I going to need? Like how much money am I going to have? Cause we're completely liable for that. Like how much money am I going to have to pay for this? And so while all of that was going on, I was super, super stressed about money, which yeah. is ridiculous because we were making all this money. But when there's such an unknown as to what is going to happen, I don't know if they're going to be like, so we're going to need a check for a million dollars tomorrow. <laughs> or if it's going to be like a pay, I don't know what's happening. So like every second that I'm not working on the business makes me feel guilty. And so like a part of that has to come from like, okay, what do you want in your life? And I guess that's kind of that higher purpose thing. Like, do you want a life where you're constantly working all the time and you're constantly, and then the other thing is like, how much is enough? And this, we hear this a lot from like bloggers who've been doing it for a couple of years. Like when you have a scalable income and it's not just bloggers, any business, I would say that's scalable. When you have a scalable business, there's the question of like, how much is enough? Like if I'm on Good Morning America and all of my stuff is in Target, is that enough? Like, is that too much? Like, (laughs) what are you willing to trade and what do you really want? And like I said before, like coming into this whole, what do you really want? Everything comes down to that question, but it takes you so long to get to the point where that question is important. Like where you realize that that's the important question, that it takes a really long time to get there. And then the other money mindset shift is that like money is not inherently evil. And this is one that I struggled with because my parents never, ever talked about money ever. And nobody ever said it, but we had a fairly small house. We definitely lived well below our means. And I definitely got the message that to be really, to have a lot of money is really bad. I remember at one point in college, I was and like went on a date with like, I found it humorous information. He was like the niece or the ne- not the niece. He was the nephew. <laughs> that would be a story. He was the <laughs> nephew of somebody in like the Heinz fortune or something. And he was a really, really well off guy. And I remember coming home and I just found it like a point of interesting conversation with my mother. And she like treated the super seriously. She was like, I never wanted that for you. And I'm like, well, it's been a date. So I don't think we need to worry that much about it. But I got the distinct impression she does not want me marrying money. And I'm like, well, I wasn't dating him because he was rich mom. Yeah, didn't even but know. Anyway, yeah. Right? 
But I got the impression that money is evil. And so when John's Brewery went bust, ironically, the same month that I'm making $100,000, and what I don't ever talk about publicly, so Chelsea, you're pulling out all the secrets, was that the same weekend that John's Brewery went bust, um, I got a call from my dad that he was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer. And he ended up dying about a year and a half later. But in my mind... Those two events were completely tied with the fact that I was making $100,000 a month because I had had so much ridiculous luck in my life and I can work just a few hours a week and make this kind of income. And like, I would think about, you know, um, a shift partner that I had in the state police that died in the line of duty, mm-hmm. making $50,000, you know, a year. And I think like, th- like this just isn't fair. Like it's because I did this, I built this I built this business. I'm making all this money. I'm causing all of these bad things to happen. And in my mind, if I didn't make that much money, my marriage would be super happy. We'd still be fighting against the man paying off 300 bucks a month and feeling like winners. And my dad would be alive. And, you know, John wouldn't have all this brewery stress. And all of this stuff was tied to the fact that it's because they make money, which in reality, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys are like, I don't think that's it. They don't really have anything to do with with each other. And in fact, if you look at it, you know, because I make this much money, the brewery issues were easily managed. I had time to deal with all this stuff. We have money to, um, to pay off the settlements. We have all of the things that we would need to deal with this. Like I, one of my employees is my sister and my dad lost his hearing and his eyesight and he wasn't really able to be his own caretaker. So I was able to give Jenny months off to go take care of my dad um, because she lives closer and I live like 12 hours away. And all of those things were happening because I made the money. But in my mind, it was, a, it was this is evil. Money is evil. And because I have made this money, I have brought bad things into the world. I am so sorry about your dad. Oh, thank you. That's really awkward in a podcast interview. She's like, I shouldn't say sorry, but I don't know what to break in. You're good. No, but I think that that's a really common narrative, right? About like thinking that that money is evil and that success is tied with then anything negative that happens. So I'm really curious, how did you break through that now to like feel like the business is a, is a good thing and a blessing? Yeah, two things. Counseling was massive for me. I cannot say enough good things about it. And it's not that I didn't have faith in counseling before. I just felt like, I mean, counseling wouldn't understand because they don't have this business. They don't understand passive income. Like, do you know what I mean? There's, they don't understand my marriage. Like there's so many things where like, they're, they're not me. So they're not going to understand. And I was shocked and they don't even see anything. It's not like they're like, okay, so you presented a, so you're going to do B and you'll be all better. Right. Yeah. All they do is just listen to you talk and throw in a little, like a couple of pensive questions. But the shift that happened in counseling was massive. And then after that, I was in a mastermind group with a lot of super, 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 super smart people with similar sized businesses to me. And what I found was minus the dad with the cancer in the brewery, their questions are all the same. Like it's not, they're not that different. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm totally different. Nobody (laughs) understands what's going on. And in reality, everybody has the exact same core questions of like, you know, we've been fighting against the man for so long now what? We don't know. And there's, you know, there's certain levels where like people who have maybe been in this position for a couple of years are like, we're starting foundations and we're feeding kids in Africa and we're doing all this stuff. And they have that life mission. And while we definitely give a lot to charities, I'm not to the point yet where I'm like, I've mastered that. Like right now I'm pretty good with 
just shifting between business focus and family focus. And, and I guess maybe the next podcast, I'll be like, I found my focus. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, that's huge, right? To even just have balance. I think there's so many moms that struggle to have that, right? Of like that time on time off and and maybe the greater purpose will come. So my last question for you before we move into our our sorting hat is, How has your behavior around money changed since you now make a lot more money? Like, are you still doing weekly money meetings with your husband? How do you set goals? Like that kind of stuff. So we still do the same thing. All of the things that we do, there's obviously more money. So there's more, more fun, fun things involved. Like we're in the beginning when we were budgeting, there was like no fun things involved. Um, and now we didn't have paper towels. (laughs) We didn't even have paper towels. There's a lot of fun, fun stuff involved. But what we found was, cause at some point, let's see, it was, I think it was maybe right before, maybe during the break. I can't remember, but at some point in our life, uh, we did two things that I thought were failed experiments. One of them was that when we get into that whole training time for money, like, oh, well, what if I just outsource the things I don't like? Like, what if I had somebody come in and clean all the time? What if we had, we had a private chef at one point? What if we did all, like hired someone to do all of the things so that I could either be working or having fun with the kids? And that was a total failed experiment. One is because I was super jealous of the people that were cleaning my house, cooking my meals and taking care of my kids. Cause even though they weren't like nannying, I felt like they were providing for the family. And I hated Mm -hmm. that. Like I was super jealous about that. And I will say that I wasn't jealous the first week, the first week I was like, this is amazing. But like a couple of weeks in, I was like, you know, I really want to be the ones to make the cookies and like make the chili for dinner. And then number two is I hated having all of these people in my house. Like I couldn't stand it. So that was a failed experiment. I did not like that. Number two was that when everything got really crazy, I'm pretty sure with my dad in the brewery, at some point I was thinking, well, we don't really need to like do budgeting like we've always done. We don't need to meet in weekly. We don't need to track every single thing. We, like we've got plenty of, of splurge money. Like we'll be fine. The amount of time it took us to go back into our old habits was like hours. It was shocking <laughs> how fast things got out of control and, and not out of control. Like, I mean, nothing like really bad happened, but the fact of the matter is that money could have, that was completely wasted on nothing, like could have been used for something. And so when we went right back into it, all of the habits, the good habits returned. And it was just surprising to me because at that time I'm like, I'm an expert at budgeting. Like I've got budgeting on lockdown. Like I don't need to like be that focused. And I actually really did need to be that focused because the second we stopped doing it, we just started wasting money on stupid stuff again, which was surprising to me. I don't know if that was, was, would that be surprising to you? Is that what you hear a lot? So we do hear that a lot. I actually, so I've always tracked everything. I'm YNAB, like, right? But for a couple months last year, we had, I had postpartum depression. My son, I had a newborn. I was just like, we're not going to track that anymore. And oh my God, our spending got out of control, like instantaneously. And I'm even naturally a saver. And I'm like, where's all this money going? It's so um, fast. It's, it's, it's so a little fast. bit depressing because I figured it'd be like riding a bike. Like we know how to ride the bike now. We're good. I don't need the training wheels. And it's awesome. what you hear about like the majority of millionaires still budget, right? Like you have yeah. to keep a, keep a pulse on things. And I could, I could totally see it. And my, so my new obsession is buying personal stock. So we obviously have like all IRAs and the mutual funds and like retirement funds and everything. But like, it's almost like it's exciting to buy like a share in Target as it is to like go out and buy new shoes. Like it's my favorite thing. So that's a lot of like our fun money and stuff like that. If that's not a money mindset, I don't know what is because I am a natural spender. And if you had told me 
five years ago that I would be really excited about playing a stock market with like little bits of money, I would be shocked. But I'm like, this is so fun. This I'll is like the number one ad for like the reason you can change your money mindset, right? Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Hot mess to it's I'm buying possible. stocks for fun. <laughs> it's possible. You're going to be fine. It's funny. All right, Rosemary. So before we let you go and kind of wrap up where people can find you, we're going to have you try on our Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. So I am a huge Harry Potter nerd and huge yes. fantasy nerd. <laughs> For sure. So the sorting hat, which I actually have an actual sorting hat. So if you guys are watching this on YouTube, here's an actual sorting hat. Uh, It's our version of the hot seat. So we have this magical hat is going to reveal a question that Rosemary is going to tell us. We have about 20 questions in here about money, motherhood, and life. So Rosemary, are you ready for our sorting hat question? Okay. I love that you're a Harry Potter fan. (laughs) I have a sorting hat. My husband bought it for me. So nice. Here's your question. If you could teach your kids one thing about money, what would it be? That it is a tool, just like anything else. I really, really, really want them to understand money. We have them do the budget meetings with us. We just do them at the dinner table now. Now I will say that our, we don't have like, I don't know that I would have done that in the beginning because in the beginning we had a lot of money stress and now we don't have money stress. We're more like making power moves and good decisions. Yeah. But we have them stay in all of our budget meetings. We talk about like, Oh, I made that decision. That was not good. And we're super, super open about it. But John and I also have this theory that each generation screws up the kids in different ways. Like my parents never talked about money, right? Probably because their parents gave them a lot of money stress. So we're going to talk about money all the time. And then our kids are going to grow up and like, never talk about money because they think it was like so uncouth that their parents did it. That's our theory. But I really want them to know like, it's not evil. It's not great. It's just, it's a tool. Like if you want, if you want to, if you want to be able to eat, you got to cook. If you want to be able to buy a house, if you want to do different things, you need money. Like they don't, they don't give you money based on personality or good looks. Yeah. I love it. And I, uh, the, the screwing kids up differently in every generation, my, when I was pregnant with our first, my father-in-law knows I struggle with perfectionism. So he came over one day and was like, so I just want you to know the kids come out perfect and it's just a matter of how much we screw them up from there forwards. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if this is helpful or not. It's probably caused the whole depression, Chelsea. Oh my gosh. We should really be best friends because I could cure you of the perfectionism and maybe you could get me some because perfectionism is not my problem. I wish it was. You don't. You don't wish it was. I need a little bit of that. You need a little bit of whatever I We'll have. balance each other it's, out. It's the opposite of perfectionism. I'm pretty sure it's hot mess. Hot mess perfection. We'll find the balance. <laughs> so Rosemary, in this giggle-filled ending here, where can yeah. people find you and follow up, uh, hear more about your story? So you can find me at busybudger.com and you can just go there and we've, we've got, obviously I'm a blogger. So we've got a website we have um, the 90 day budget bootcamp, which is basically if you're more micro person than Chelsea's, if you're like track everything, like if you identify more with that hot mess, then we have a 90 day budget bootcamp that teaches you how, because basically what, what I did was um, I quit my job, I stayed at home, we paid off our $30,000 worth of debt and we basically organized our entire home. So if you walked into my house right now, you would actually not know I was a hot mess. You would think that I was organized, but I am still not organized. It's all in my brain. But um, if you want to learn how to do that, 
particularly in how to um, pay off your debt by using home organization tricks, then you can sign up for the 90 day budget bootcamp, which will be on busybudget.com. Awesome. And we'll have the link for that in the show notes as well. And guys, even if you are a little more type A like me, uh, you can get out of control, which we've had happen in our life. And Rosemary's like three core things that she focused on were a huge help in getting our house house organized. awesome. Awesome. Well, Rosemary, thank you so much for visiting and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Wow, mamas, how incredible was Rosemary? Every time I talk to her, I'm in awe and want her to be my best friend. Honestly, it's no surprise to me how successful she's been. But while Rosemary's rapid success might not reflect your life right now, there's still a lot we can take away from her story to improve our own financial lives. So here's some takeaways. First, be willing to silence voices that don't suit you. Starting any journey, blogging, entrepreneurship, debt freedom, there are a million people who want to tell you what to do. Some advice will fit where you are right now, and some simply won't fit your schedule or style. Rosemary couldn't work 20 hours a week at the beginning, even if she wanted to, and she had to build her strategy to fit her life. Decide on what works for you and ignore the rest. Second, more money doesn't solve all your money issues. Yes, if you're struggling to put food on the table or keep a roof over your head, money helps. But after a certain level of comfort, you'll discover you have to take note of your relationship with money and discover your why. For Rosemary, it took reaching a major business milestone right as her husband's business failed and her dad got sick to recognize how loud that money is evil voice was in her head. And then she needed help sorting it out. We can try to break things down to dollars and cents all we want, but money is emotional, mamas. If we don't take note of our mindset, it will hold us back without us even really understanding what's wrong. And finally, if you want to start a business, make a deal with yourself. Set a realistic schedule and commit to six months, a year, two years. Then keep going no matter what until you hit that goal. Starting a business is really hard, no matter how successful you are. There'll be points in the first year or three that you want to quit. Rosemary would have quit only months in, even with all her success, had she read that blogging is dead article without having made a commitment to blog for a whole year. If you have a dream you want to pursue and the potential ROI makes sense, then go for it. Success on your own terms is possible. And if it doesn't work out, you can always move on. And at least you'll know you tried. Mamas, I want to thank Rosemary again for joining me on the show and our sponsor, Debt.com, for making this episode possible. You can find the show notes and transcript of this episode at smartmoneymamas.com backslash Rosemary. If you want to support the Smart Money Mamas show, follow us wherever you get your podcasts, share with your friends, or leave a review on iTunes. I'd love, love hearing what you think. As always, you can find more money tools and resources at smartmoneymamas.com and can reach me on Instagram or at chelsea at smartmoneymamas.com. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next week. 